Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome back. I'm delighted to say my first guest today is somebody who has been catching the eye, as I said, almost every week for the last year or 18 months. Overcame quite a serious injury, did really well as an amateur, turned professional and hasn't looked back and won't be a conditional for too much longer. Associated with a yard that has gone great guns all season, that of Jamie Snowden, who was a guest on the show two or three weeks before Christmas. I'm delighted to say very good morning. Good luck on Sunday. Welcome to Paige Fuller. Paige, good morning. Morning. <laughs> and we have been trying to pin you down for a little while, but you've been busy, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's really good. I, I couldn't, I could not imagine, you know, say 18 months ago, I was sort of tossing up whether or not to go professional. Um, and to say that I am where I am now is, I can't believe it really. And you'd been sort of chipping away, but without people really latching on and, and noticing for a little while as, a, as an amateur. Were you sort of thinking, is it going to happen, isn't it going to happen during that period? Well, I think I always exceeded my expectations, which is always a nice way to be. I think, you know, 10 years ago when I was sort of coming to my A-levels and everything, like, it still wasn't really a career option. So I was very much sort of in the mindset of, you know, I'm going to start pointing at 16. I was already riding out at 14 for, and I've been pony racing since I was nine. Um, and so when I got to 16, you know, it was just a case of going pointing, having fun with my riding and sort of trying to work out how to fit that alongside a normal job. And once I left school and I got more into it, you know, I sort of started riding a few winners and people started to use me. And as the years went on, it sort of got a bit more momentum behind me. And, you know, I'm, now I'm sat here now and, and every year I've kind of exceeded where I thought I would be, which is always a really nice place to be. So when you were doing the pony racing and the point sporting, what normal job, normal job was on the horizon? What could it have been? <laughs> Um, I have no idea, um, to be honest, and I think that probably was half the reason why I ended up in racing because I just enjoyed it and to get off every day and do something that you love doing, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't ever, I tried a couple of internships just generally around the place when I was still amateur, but I, I ended up taking so many days off to go racing, I thought, well, it's, it shouldn't really be that way round, and, and so actually I just thought I've got to take the plunge. I, I know pony racing has been very important for, for a lot of people, how important was it for you? Oh, it, it, I think it must have been very, very important. Like I never, I never had that many good ponies or anything, and I certainly wasn't in the sort of um, red hot areas of pony racing. Um, but I started when I was nine years old, um, and I probably had four or five rides a season. And actually, you know, it it, it very much um, it gets you race course experience. You know, getting um, to the races getting changed, you know, takes sort of half of the nerves away from when you start points pointing. Silly things like starts, you know, they are so crucial. Like, you can win or lose a race at the start, and actually, because I had slow ponies, I had to get a good start, <laughs> you know, and, and actually, hopefully, it really helped me once I started points pointing. Is it a bit like any other endeavour in, in horse racing, insofar as you have, to have the, you have to have the good ponies and getting them is quite hard to come by? Yeah, like when I first started, we were all on proper fluffy ponies. I, like I was still finishing. Sort of Thelwell style. Yeah, proper. I, I think there's a photo of me from when I, my first pony race, and most of them are still in GP saddles. You know, and I have my um, dad. Dad rode in points a little bit, and I had his old exercise saddle that I was racing in. So I probably looked smarter than some of the others. But you know, I, I think once I got to the to the bigger stage of ponies, like they were all getting to be thoroughbreds or half thoroughbreds mm -hmm. and it was difficult but again like you know it taught me a lot and 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 I, I definitely I think going straight into pointing I think I think I won in my first point to point race and 
would that have happened without my pony racing background? Probably not. So it did count for a lot. And, and some of the lads now that are coming through, just you, know, you can see that it, it's like invaluable experience for them. And was it 50-50 boys and girls when you were doing it, or was it mainly men? Uh, pony racing? Yeah. Um, I think there were a lot of girls doing it. You know, back then, um, and probably still now, I wouldn't. I haven't been pointing in a while, so I can't tell you how it is now. But like at that level, I think there was still quite a lot of girls um, doing it. So it certainly wasn't male dominated as such. Quite like you know the riding and point to points and stuff was. You mentioned your dad was a, a point to point rider. What kind of rider was he? A very amateur rider. He did have a winner. Um, he didn't touch a horse before he met my mum, and then decided really? he yeah, never touched a horse, and um, decided that. He sort of wanted to learn to ride, and then um, through that decided that normal riding wasn't fast enough, and he used to race cars. So he thought that actually racing horses sound like he actually met Di Williams on a trip to America, I think one time to watch timber racing, and Di said, "Oh, we we better find you a race horse if you're happy to race cars. You'll be fine on a horse." So at the age of nearly 40, I think he he rode in this point to points and had a winner and had good fun doing that. Uh, my respect for for him is just got out of proportion like anyone who has never touched a horse and suddenly gets up but he's obviously an adrenaline junkie if he likes racing cars yeah and I think I had no chance really you know with mum in horses and dad in car racing I suppose they were always going to choose someone like me was your mum in racing um I think her family had always had interests and um her grandparents had her stud up in Yorkshire mm -hmm. um so she used to go up there in her holidays and go hunting and stuff but she never rode in point to points herself but um always had enthusiasm you so, know. so you're the kind of first generation jockey yeah. Proper jockey. Yeah, I, I think my granddad rode him point to points as well, but proper, proper jockey, yeah. So there was that there was that cusp moment where you had to decide whether you were going to be unpaid, essentially, riding points, whatever, take the, those opportunities, or, or do this properly and, and, and make a career out of it. What was the what was the killer moment, do you think, I think that, it, that turned it? I think it was realising that I really had the support to make it sustainable when I was riding. Well, a lot of it as well is it's quite difficult point to pointing now to, to really get going pointing. And I was still in the hope that I would, as an amateur, be able to ride on the big days. And, you know, I really wanted to ride in the big festival races, you know, the Kim Muir and the National Hunt Chase. And I still was struggling to pick up those rides. And it was sort of grinding on me a bit. And, and like, I couldn't... Um, you know, I couldn't really get going pointing either because if I was riding at the weekends under rules, I didn't know till Friday if I was riding, so you miss out on the better rides pointing. So I was sort of picking up more spares and small, you know, rides on slightly lesser horses, and I was riding more under rules. And you know, actually, I, I think just as the momentum was really getting going, and I had a really good um, couple of months, uh, April and May 2018. I think I rode eight winners through those months, and. I teamed up with Zoe Davison as well, and you know she sort of su suggested that she'd support me. And I had Jamie, and Jamie's horses were really starting to get rolling. And and um, I had a I had a couple of winners on Monbeck Theatre at Cheltenham and Haydock. And I actually realised that actually, like if I was ever going to give it a go, it was it was then. Um, I was getting the volume of rides, and I was getting better rides than I had done ever before. And um, even uh, even with having taken three months out of my season, I think I rode. 14 winners mm -hmm. um, that year, so like it was definitely that it was either then or never, and I just went actually you got to give it a go and see how I get on. Because you you then just as you were really starting to roll in the manner of these things, more often than not you you got a nasty injury. Just just tell me a bit about that period. Um, 
like I first like um, I got I broke my ankle back in um, August 2017 I think it was and um, or 60 I can't remember which one it was but it was just as I was really starting to get going and I hadn't been champion amateur at that point or anything but like it was a real setback because Jamie was using me and I was starting to build relationships with other people and um, it, it was just another I think earlier that year as well I fractured a vertebrae and it was just another thing in that sort of like just stopping the ball rolling really um, and then I had a really good run of it and then I broke my collarbone in the Durham National um, at the sort of December 2018 and that was really frustrating as well because you know I'd won on Monberg Theatre at Cheltenham and Haydock and obviously as you say the ball was rolling and and then um, Monberg was going to the actually he won a uh, he won a handicap as well at Weatherby and he was going to the West Yorkshire Hurdle and so that was sort of a big stage to be on and it was would have been my first chance in a sort of listed graded race um, and it's just, you know it's just those little things that sort of annoying but actually luckily I wasn't out for too long I think it was out for five weeks um, I was back in time for Christmas um, and obviously the winter's then a bit slow and, and we had a really dry winter which for Zoe's horses as well it didn't suit us because we couldn't get them on the grass gallops and it always makes a difference and I always all love heavy ground and that so you know it was a struggle to sort of get the ball rolling again but actually you know once the ball started rolling again it it keeps rolling, doesn't it? So it just kept going, and then yeah. and then you, and the momentum was with you again. Uh, just in in terms of um, why you turned professional, were were the exploits of other women jockeys an an inspiration of any sort? The the way that Rachel Blackmore and Bryony Frost and others have have done so well in the last couple of years. I think I think they were. Um, I think I think obviously that's got to have an effect probably more on the attitudes of everyone else around me like I definitely turned because it was right for me um, mm. rather than like I'd say people like Lucy Alexander more than anyone else like who very rarely who, gets a mention who very rarely gets a mention and, yeah I'm glad you did and and she she really she really turned the tables because she was the first champion conditional and that is such a big deal and realized that actually you can just go day day in day out and ride against the lads and it'd be normal um, and as I say like I think I turned because it was the right thing for me to do and I think that it was the right thing to, for me to do mostly because attitudes outside of my kind of career had changed as well mm -hmm. um, and it's very much changing um, and like, I think it will keep changing and I think it just needs people to realise that it's not just about the big days as well, but it's about, as I say, going day in, day out to the races. You're not going to like every day at the races. You're not always going to like the horses you're riding. It's not always going to be great, but actually the best days make up for it. And it's not always a story, just no. because you're riding. Yeah, exactly. It's something you do because it's your job, just like it's anybody else's job. So it's a question of normalising it, I suppose. Exactly. Um, and as I say, I, you know, I tried going to internships and finding ways to, to support my amateur career but it was never going to happen and actually so I realised that for me the only way I could progress in life in general was to find a career that I enjoyed and that was racing and that's just how it turned out for me. Uh, when you were going to these internships uh, w was it just low boredom threshold or uh, Low boredom threshold and I literally I just could not get away from racing and I was sat there and I was trying to manage I was, and, it, and it killed me because I was missing rides like and and so I try and manage them so that I would try and take a day off on the best day possible and that but I could not it, it killed me to miss the rides 
and to know that somebody else was getting on that horse and riding it, like whether it was just a naught to 100 at Exeter or something, I hated the fact that I couldn't go and ride that horse that day. Um, and I just, and that for me was that, I just couldn't get away from it. And so I had to be completely in it 100%. It's quite interesting the insight, even from back in the pony racing days, of just in preparing yourself mentally as an individual for, for going racing, for being a jockey. It's, it, it strikes me when I talk to, to jockeys in this chair, it could be a very solitary existence at times and something that you have to sort of have great mental preparation for. Is that something you can identify with? Definitely. I mean, we spend a lot of time on our own in the cars um, and like you ride out in the mornings, um, you know, a lot of the time you're sort of, you're not always able to, con like obviously you're concentrating on the horse you're riding, but in between that you've got to think about, okay, what time do I need to get to the races? You know, what, where am I going tomorrow? Do I need to call someone? Do I need to check about where's running what? Where and all of these sorts of things and you know your mind's always working a million miles an hour and you know sometimes you sort of get back in the evening and you know especially in the summer or something you'll have ridden out three lots gone racing got back home at eight o'clock you'll be looking through the form for the next day and you know there's not much time to switch off but you definitely like I mean I don't ride half as much as you know many of the jockeys in the changing room and so I just think how mm. difficult it is for them when they've got a full book of rides the next day. Um, and and it's, it is difficult balance to, to sort of strike, but I, I think like you kind of get used to it. And as I say, like, I think for me it's beneficial because I realised that I couldn't be away from it, that actually I've always got that, however difficult it is coming back in the evening and going driving back in the car going, God, they all ran really badly today. <laughs> and you're like... What did I do wrong? And you'll call up, you know, you'll call up whoever you need to and you'll talk it through with them. And then, like, it's kind of done because I just know that I wouldn't, I would, you know, I still wouldn't like to be coming yeah. back from an office. So you kind of just have to have that mindset that actually, you know, it is awful and you can go months without winners and it does happen. And, like, that happens to everyone. And you just kind of got to enjoy the good bits and deal with the bad bits. So you seem to have the right even temperament. Are you easy to live with when you get home after a bad day? Probably not. <laughs> no, probably not at all. I probably make it sound very measured, and I come back and I'll chuck. No, it's not too bad. I think, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. As, as we were saying earlier, I've always been chipping away, and you know, I'm old enough now that I've been in. I've been riding long enough now that I'd like to think that I am getting better at managing it, and it, it will always be difficult, and it will, there will always be mornings where you come in and. You know, people will know probably just to avoid talking to you. But like, uh, I think it'd be the same in any sports person. Like, you can't be you can't be the best every day, the best person. You just have to try, and as always, we're trying. That's the main thing. And I, I suppose now, as well, particularly with national hunt jockeys, your the longevity of your career, touch wood, is that bit greater because people's fitness has improved and just their general approach to life seems to be better organised than it was, say, 20, 30 years ago. So your career can feasibly last until you're well into your late 30s, early 40s, rather than crashing and burning at 30-odd. Yeah, I think I, I, like, I don't know how long my career will go on for. I really hope that I will, I will like, when I go to the races, or like, like winning's just a byproduct of doing everything right. If you go to the races, you know, it's an entertainment sport. You've got to keep the owners happy. You've got to keep the trainers happy. And if you keep the trainers happy, they'll keep the owners happy. You know, so, like, as long as you go out there and you do everything, what you're told, you keep everyone happy. If your horses run badly, you, you've got to make sure that everyone's happy. 
and actually like for me I just want to go to the races and do the best job I can and as I say like if you're on the best horse in the race and you've done everything right then the horse will win and actually if you can keep those relationships up like I hope I can keep those relationships up with the trainers I ride for are very supportive and actually I hope that those trainers will support me in the long run um, and hopefully that will get me for years to come you know um, and I'd like to think that my career will go on like a while but obviously you know you just don't you can never expect anything can you you can't take anything for granted so you've just got to enjoy it while it lasts I've asked a lot of jockeys this question in in that chair will you ride any horse anywhere on any given day no matter what its overall record might be I would whether <laughs> the people around me would let me <laughs> is a different question I don't, I'm my, um, my agent's always on the phone and he sort of says to me, you know, he, he, he sort of half, you know, he wouldn't let me ride anything, whether he, or not he's just saying that because he did or didn't get yeah. me right, I don't know. Um, I'd like to think that I would give, I, I would give anything a ride that I'm on, especially, you know, I, I think every, I really make sure that every time I go to the races I think a horse has got a chance um, and I'd like to think that I would, ride anything that I'm told to ride, basically. If I had a choice between, this is a horrible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If I had a choice between you and the next rider, and those are my two choices available to me, what would be your key selling points, do you think? Key selling point? Um, I, I'd like to, as I say, I, I'd like to think I'd give everything a ride. You know, however, like, I've grown up on horses that probably haven't got the best of chances. Um, and like whether it's 100 to 1 or 2 to 1, I like I would try my hardest on any horse. Um, but I like every every owner, every trainer has got different opinions on jockeys. Like you know, I'm sure there are I'm sure there are owners out there who probably wouldn't want Dicky on. Like people are entitled to their opinions, and I suppose you sort of can't really let it bother you if someone doesn't want you on their horse. It's like so what? Like you can only do you can only do the winning, and if you, winning isn't good enough for them, then so be it. And you've got this attachment. You were saying you you've got a great relationship with Zoe Davison, but your your attachment to Jamie Snowden's yard is clearly crucial because this is a yard that's going places. We had Jamie on the show just before Christmas. How how important has he been for you? Jamie has been completely instrumental to my career. I left school at eighteen, and I started riding out part time for him then. And six years later, I'm still there and. He's he's very much been probably the crucial building of my career. You know all of the so I mean the R rings the the sort of what do I do? The I don't know where I am at the moment. You know he's been there and he's been supportive and you know my best horses have been for for Jamie and you know he's taught me pretty much everything I know as far as riding wise and um, he's been so supportive over the years and you know it's just great that actually. Like, and, and my career wouldn't be where it is now if it wasn't for the fact that Jamie's horses are just progressing as much as anything else. And if you've got... I mean, it, it strikes me from what you're saying is you don't really set yourself targets. Or do you? I do set myself targets. Um, I like very much um, when I start at Jamie's um, full-time, um, I wanted to be a champion amateur jockey. So I, and I reached that target. Um, and then the next year it was, well, keep that and beat last year. I think I had 12 winners first year, I had 16 winners next year. Oh, that was not easy, but mm. you're like, oh, well, <laughs> that was surprising. Um, 
and uh, then you know I do set myself targets obviously always wanting to get better um, I it's really difficult because as a jockey there aren't actually that many targets that you can set yourself that are obvious targets mm. that people would necessarily recognize like the standard targets are I'd like to win a grade one or I'd like to be champion conditional or realistically I can't like I love to be champion conditional don't get me wrong but against John Joe with his father's backing and everything it's gonna be really tricky so obviously that's like dream target but my main target for this season was always to ride out my claim and I feel like I'm on target for that at the moment um, and also just to ride basically an ITV winner as well I'd love to do that I haven't done that yet so that would be nice um, just little targets like and I think you know as I say like being a jockey is really tough and solitary and actually it's really difficult to find targets that people will kind of respect you but not think of being too unambitious mm. because everybody sort of expects everyone to say I want to be champion jockey when I'm older I want to do this I want to be you know in the next AP but realistically we can't all be like that and you look at the interview that Sam Twiston Davis gave and he said I don't I don't want to be champion jockey yet because it might it might de be detrimental to my riding and actually you know I think in racing especially like you have to focus on bits for you and your your sort of personal goals are very important because people other people might not recognize them but they're just as important to you as as um as champion champion conditional to other people so it's knowing who you are knowing what's realistic and keeping focused yeah because there's so much disappointment in the sport if you don't live up to your own expectations then you've kind of got no chance because you're probably you know a lot of the time you'll find disappointing parts where you're not quite living up to a lot of people's expectations so you've got to keep keep yourself confident as well and it seems like you're doing that pretty well trying to <laughs>